All right, welcome back, college basketball fans. Mad about hoops with you for 35th episode. Tim, how are you doing today? Evil bald Colin. Well, we're closer to March Madness than we were the last time we talked, so I'm <laughs> it's good. Always a good this thing. Is great. It's always a good thing. And actually, we're close to the what do they call it? The pre-reveal where they do the top 16 seeds. They're actually going to do it this Saturday. So I mean, that's hey. when you really start to feel like you're getting close. How about it? And Ohio State gets to be in that thing for once. They're they going to have a nice, solid one seed when this thing comes well, out. Well, they That's should, great. but unless if you ask should. the odds odd makers over at Fox, you never know. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> Evil was referring to a little graphic that Fox College Hoops, and I, and I love college basketball graphics. I love them, even if they just stir up some debate. And I think it went nine teams deep on the list as to, like, who you got. And it just showed everybody's odds odds on winning the national championship gonzaga baylor and then had just like texas iowa illinois all these other guys might have even been a pac-12 team in there maybe not probably not but ohio state was mysteriously missing from the list and i also i was i always like to give joe lenardi shit when it's this time of year and he's not upping his bracketology <laughs> report on the daily because there was like three or four days well, there he, i feel he statistically where we beat iowa he statistically is a middle tier bracketologist so i don't oh, go a lot into it but damn <laughs> no Man he, down. He, he's, he's good at what he does i think he's kind of questionable on the logic of what he does sometimes i know oh, just a quick example what he did a couple of weeks or just a week ago actually is when alabama was still undefeated in the sec but he had him above ohio state the debate for the last four seed basically because you couldn't think about putting a team that was undefeated in their conference below a team that had a three or four losses in their conference. I'm like, well, if that's the case, then you're putting D Drake up there at the one or two line. Like, that's, right, that's right. Making we any could sense. do this all day. We could do this all day. It's about quality of a resume. Exactly. This this isn't college football where you're in a great conference, you keep that undefeated record. Shoot, I mean, we know that doesn't even apply in college football where there are way fewer games. If you're not in the right conference, undefeated don't mean diddly just ask the cincinnati bearcats but that was right. my thing and it was pointed out i like i swear that there's that little drop down bar at the top of the bracketology where it says when it has been updated and the thing was just stuck on february 5th for like a couple of days and he didn't do the next one until february 9th so alabama was still sticking there at that one seed and i just i, I couldn't live with that knowing that ohio state had knocked off iowa and they bumped up to a top four team in the country, followed that up with a nice, that was an impressive win against Maryland. Let's just call that what it was. They got out to a double-digit lead against a scrappy, hungry, solid Maryland team that no one's ever going to say that because of their record, but they are. And you paced that game the entire second half. You did what you had to do. Those can be pressure-packed games, man, when you are legitimately now having a special season, not just getting that high ranking early in the year. You've got it late in the year, and then you have to go out and face an unranked the same day everyone's talking about you being a top-five team. So that is one of the better wins of the year for Chris Holtman's club for me. Yeah, no, you, you put a team that might not get a lot of recognition. I believe they're actually in that tier of, like, first four out or they're right around the bubble so I, I don't know if a lot of people that pay attention will overlook that win but I, I do think the casual fan will but yeah no there's there's ton of tons of opportunities I said it the other day they have nine I think it now moved down to eight quad one wins because of a team that moved out of the quad one category um, you have eight wins in that category and then you have I think four of the next six are all in quad one territory so it's like you have more room to just pad the stats is how you want to put it to make a case Mm -hmm. regardless of what you do in the Big Ten tournament, that you deserve either a one or a two seed. 
All right. So before we do the whole podcast, we teased on episode 34, we would tackle this issue of conference tournaments. You and I really, really love them. But things are definitely different this year with what it's going to take to play in the NCAA tournament with all the testing policies. There are different views from just about everybody in college basketball on what to do with this. So we'll have that. I know, uh, Evil, you're looking at a Pac-12 team. You're looking at a Big East team that you want to shed some light on. So we'll do that. We will also start off with a conversation with someone from a towel gang. I mean, you talk about what Mark Titus has become back in the day at Ohio State. That must be Papa Bear to this dude, Joey Lane. Some pod-to-pod love. How about that, Evil? His is better than ours, Drive the Lane podcast featuring Joey Lane, former Ohio State walk-on. So we can talk about him with just about every, uh, just about anything right now. So stay tuned. This is Mad About Hoops. Five to go. Lewis has been awesome. Let's it go. Inbounds Turner, left side of the backboard. Turner across the timeline, throws it from high on the right. He, he makes it! He hit it! He, he, made it. he hit it just inside of half court! Lane's on the other wing. He finds oh. oh! 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 Sent it in, Jerome! Oh! <laughs> College basketball! This is March Madness! And like we just told you, kicking off our 35th episode of Mad About Hoops. Evil, we got a nice guest here. This is like cross-pollination, cross-pod-in-nation. That sounds stupid, but pod-to-pod love. His is much better than ours, the Drive the Lane podcast, just having that college basketball experience. Joey Lane, former Ohio State basketball player, is here. Joey, thanks so much. Very gracious. How you doing, man? I'm great. Thank you for the for the warm welcome, the great introduction. I don't know. We'll, it, the jury's out on which podcast is better. I'll wait until after uh, after we talk to to make my decision. But uh, but yeah, appreciate you guys having me on. How many Twitter followers you got? Because we got 135. We're tr- we're like an elementary school Twitter handle. We're trying to grow. Yeah, we got we got we got some more. We got some more than that. So so maybe in that sense, we're, we're we got a leg up. I mean, what is, what is the deal here, man? We're working for 97.1 The Fan. we got the number four ranked basketball team in the country. It must be us. It must be these two guys on, on this end. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, I would, think, I would think it's you guys. It's personal, for sure. What? Hey, Evil, do you remember what my backwards NCAA tournament dream always was? Like how I sort of like would envision myself if I had a spot in one shining moment? You remember how that story goes? No, I don't remember that. So Retell the, the, it. So the way that I dream is I don't try to like really I try to dream in reality terms, if that makes sense. Like I don't want to be like Harold the show Arsenal or one of those guys scoring 35, 40 points. I try to keep it real. So I I think of myself would have been like a Joey Lane type of guy. If I got like a two second snippet on one shining moment, it would have been like someone on the end of the bench or it would have been some experiencing the agony of defeat, like someone that left it all out there. But I'm the losing guy and I put like my hands on my head or I have the look of disbelief when the clock hits zeros. That's that's who I would have been. So, Joey, I guess I'm in your lane, man. No pun intended. Yeah, I, I yeah, I um, I will say like even my my friends will always bring up like the fact that. Yeah, like I played college hoops and I was a part of some really good teams, but they always say like the fact that you were 
um, you know, on one shining moment is is the coolest thing that you have. And and so so now it's at the top of my resume, bolded and twenty four point font that uh, I was in uh, one shining moment back in twenty shoot twenty eighteen I think it was. So yeah, that's my claim to fame without a doubt. Joey, I want to ask. We're getting to the tough stretch of the season where we got some really tough matchups going forward. Uh, I think what, what like five, six games left in the regular season. When you get to this point of the season, mm-hmm. do you kind of feel? I don't want to say pressure, but can you kind of feel it like okay, it's getting to go time? You know, that's a that's a good question. I think that in years past, Holtman's had this narrative that he, you know, has struggled in January, um, and so. My experience was always at this point in the year, if you're contending in any sort of way, it's not like as stressful, but you've reached your past the dog days of the season, if, if that makes sense, where you're slowly becoming rejuvenated um, in the sense that, okay, it's very real that all the stuff you've been working for all summer, all preseason, and through the, the non-conference, the the, the the easy quote unquote games, the beginning of the conference schedule, all that stuff, all that's led you to this point. So you get that second wind and um, yeah, it's stressful in the sense of like, I mean, this team's number four in the country. Like you got a target on your back. You're trying to, you're trying to win the big 10 and get a number one seed. Like that's stuff that, you know, it's not easy to, to just wake up and start doing that, obviously. Right. So yeah, I think there's some stress, but at the same time, it's like you're playing with house money in the sense that, you know, you know, you're a really good team. It's like, all right, like just let's just roll out the ball and and uh, show them what we're made of. You know, Joey, how close to the program are you still? Uh, I'm pre- I'm pretty darn close. They probably don't like how close I am to the program. <laughs> I, uh, I still um I'm still you know like a lot of those guys were either my teammates or guys that I recruited and hosted on official visits and stuff. So players sure. wise, still talking to those guys a lot they're they're probably sick of of my congratulatory text messages and stuff um and then the coaches too i mean i I had a really unique relationship with them just like any player who doesn't really play a ton you know it's it's a different sort of relationship so i've stayed in touch with them obviously living in columbus um you know has made that pretty easy to stay in touch with them even you know although it's a pandemic now in the past it you know being in columbus was great and um and and i still send the coaches uh, congrats after big games and stuff just because, I mean, like, I'm just so juiced up. I got to text somebody. I can't just keep tweeting it out. You know, it's not the same as – We as feel you. Them. You know, I just want to I just want to be there and give them, a, give them a big hug. It's so fun. They're causing so much joy uh, in, in such a brutal stretch for a lot of people. So, uh, yeah, I'm pretty close to the program still, whether they like it or not. Joey, I want to specifically about this team, and you just mentioned about a couple of players that you were actually on the team with. Who have, who you played with, who do you feel has grown the most that's currently on the roster? I mean, it's got to be Kyle Young. Uh, I mean, Kyle came to Ohio State as... I love him. You know, he's, he's the, I mean, I love him too. He's the exact same player as he was his freshman year in a sense, but at the same time, he just keeps growing his game a little bit every single year. Um, his freshman year, my junior year, when, when Jay Sean Tate and Katie Bates-Theup were taking all the minutes at his position, he was the guy who came in and played like backup center and just an energy guy who could dunk the ball if he got you six points. Like, that was incredible. And then his sophomore year, he's starting and playing 40 minutes a game if he can while also breaking his leg, you know. So, uh, you know, as a guy who hasn't been able to work on his game as much just purely because of injuries and stuff, 
he's been able to, to really take huge steps. You know, last year he proved that he could occasionally shoot the ball and he, he got some post moves. And then this year, it's like every time he gets the ball, it seems like he's either scoring or making the right play and, and can pretty consistently knock down a three point shot now. Um, so, I mean, he's always had that game in pickup in open gyms uh, in practice. And now to see it on the big stage where he is turning into the ultimate glue guy, which we all know he's always been um, just on a bigger stage is, is, pretty darn cool and it couldn't happen to a to a nicer guy that's for sure he's the perfect embodiment of what coach Holman wants in a player Joey I actually I'm like way I'm years late to this party evil I don't know have you read Mark Titus's book I have yes it's actually really good yeah Yeah. I've started to tap into it I'm only like a chapter or so in but I imagine Joey for you he's kind of like the papa bear and like you're you're going into the media now and you're doing a great job I'm just wondering though from your perspective how can you like quickly sum up what it is to be a walk-on and being a star player, being a really good high school basketball player, and then making it to the Big Ten, you've got to know how to play. You're a good player, but the role that you're in, people make fun of it. People kind of belittle you. I'm just wondering, what does that do to like the confidence versus what your role is? Yeah, uh, it's hard to kind of just sum up being a walk-on, obviously. They're different types of walk-ons the different ways that each walk-on goes about their career you know me and mark had a similar path in terms of you know we were very vocal on social media and everybody knew who we were and we were not afraid to make fun of ourselves and that was kind of our stick which is you know i mean that's that's what's great about ohio state is is whether you're the best player on the team or the or i mean worst player is not the right word but you get what i'm saying like you you have a platform so um, Best you know, worst Ohio player. State's unique in, it, <laughs> Ohio State is unique in that way. Um, the, the the way that me and Mark kind of differed was my whole thing was I'm going to go out there and prove that that I'm the player that got to Ohio State and you know a guy that was on the team who was always the guy that hey when things if things went really wrong Joey is our emergency plan sort of deal. Um, whereas Mark's whole thing obviously was I'm going to get out there and not do anything. And that's like, and that was hilarious. And I think that is hilarious. I remember coming to school and everyone being like, you know, when you go in, Joe, you got to get trillion. I'm like, hell no, I'm going in there to chuck up some shots. What? Like, come on. So, um, you know, being a walk-on is a thankless job. Uh, you don't get, you work just as hard, if not harder, honestly, because you're more likely than not, you're not as gifted physically, um, you know, basketball-wise, in the weight room, conditioning, whatever it is, you're not as gifted. So you're working as hard, if not harder, than some of those other guys on the team. Uh, so, and getting no reward in the sense of you're not getting the minutes that these other guys are getting, right? So, yeah, it's a, it's a thankless job. It's, it's exactly what I signed up for. So I knew what I was expecting. Um, but you got it takes a special guy to really succeed in being a walk-on because obviously you got to get the, the you got to get the grades you got to work you got to work really hard in practice and help guys prepare for games and then you know when your number is called you you got to know like you're going out there for for whatever reason you got to figure out what that is whether that's you're coming out there to to not screw up you're coming out there to to make a name for yourself um, there's a lot of different dynamics that that come with being a walk-on. So I wanted to ask you a couple questions about your uh, former coaches, specifically Ryan Peden and Terry Johnson, because we heard, we heard Chris kind of bang the table for Terry over the last couple of games, talking about why he deserves 
uh, a head coaching job. Why, in your opinion, do you feel like he is ready to take that leap? Terry Johnson, at least. Yeah. Um, so we call him Coach T. So, so Coach T, um, he is in charge of the whole defense, obviously, which Holtman, that's, that's our identity, is our defense. Every scheme, obviously, Holtman is the mastermind, but Coach T, is, is, he's the guy behind it. Um, and, and our defense is the one thing through the ups and the downs of every year that Holtman's been there, through the bad January, through the great starts, our defense has always been consistently what we hang our hat on. Um, and then you top that all off with he's the, he's the guy who does the scouts. So, um, you know, he's running scout team, he's running the defense, and he's also working with the big men. Uh, and, and we know that in the past few years we've had some pretty darn good big men, whether it's, you know, guys like JT or Kata or, um, or Caleb Watson last year, and now you see, you know, EJ, Kyle, Zed Key even having a great start. He's had a huge impact on those guys. So, uh, I mean, Coach T is the ultimate, ultimate competitor. Can't say enough good things about him as a, as a coach specifically, but as a person, uh, you know, obviously being a great person doesn't get you a coaching job. You know, as it as it probably shouldn't, right? It should be about your basketball mind. But he's been a part of some unbelievable teams through the Final Four runs at Butler, through some great runs with Ohio State. Now, um, I mean, he is he is as deserving as anyone in the country. He has absolutely paid his dues, and he has proven more than he more than he has to honestly that he deserves a shot. No doubt. Yeah, I wanted to follow up on that defensive point because one of the things that is kind of uncharacteristic this season is at least the metrics are a little bit lower than usual. I think they're 64th in adjusted defensive efficiency per Kempom. Joey, what do you think is one thing they need to focus on tightening up on the defensive end heading into the postseason? Yeah, you know, I think honestly the, the reason why, um, you know, we've been so great uh, in the past is our team defense is so, is so great in terms of, you know, helping the helper, um, guys know where the other guys are uh, rotationally. They know where they have to be when you're scrambling, you're playing in transition, you're playing four on five. Um, so I think like to take the next step in order to be that elite, elite defensive game, we're always going to have a great team defense. Like that's a given. But individually, guys can, guys can be better. Um, guarding the ball, we call it guarding your yard. So three feet in either way is a yard, obviously. If you can guard – that six foot radius and keep your guy in front, you're going to have a lot of success. So um, individual defense is going to go a long way. Um, I think with this team, especially um, I, I think we had some stretches, you know, EJ missed some games and he's a huge part of the defense. Uh, CJ Walker missed some games and he's a huge part of our defense. Those two guys are two great individual defenders. Like I'm talking about right now. Um, so I think the metrics will reflect that comes, come here soon enough. What Holtman always likes to say is, um, you know, the top teams in the country are in the top 25 in offensive and defensive efficiency. Um, those are the teams every year that win the national championship. They're in that category. So that's always a goal for the, for the team is to be in the top 25 in both those categories. Joey Lane from the Drive the Lane podcast is kind enough to be here with us on uh, the Mad About Hoops podcast. And, I, you know, to talk about a third podcast, Chris Holtman was given some really interesting comments to Jeff Goodman and Robbie Hummel. Did you know the hair transplant tale before it was told just the other yeah, day? Yeah, so, so not to, like, throw Holt under the bus or anything, but we I do remember – when he first got here and then soon after, we were like, he's always wearing a hat now. Like, he's got some – like, what is going on with Coach Holt? Like, he, 
he missed some time. Like, what is happening? And we always <laughs> we speculated, and we're not we're not dumb. Like, you know, you get the rep that you're a, you're a dumb jock. Like, we we're not dumb enough to to not know that that Coach Holt probably got some hair transplants. So, um, just not something that was never really discussed um, as a team. Um, not that it should be, um, but I hadn't heard the story before. I mean, they're they're that podcast was a lot of fun. Uh, Goodman and, and Hummel, uh, they do a great job. So, um, uh, yeah, I, I, to answer your question, I wasn't familiar with the actual story, but you know, definitely heard some rumblings. I was. Are there things that that you have on Coach Holtman that you maybe feel have, have not been discussed much, or when people talk about Chris Holtman? Because I still kind of view him as being incredibly underrated the thing that sticks out to me is that he's almost 50 years old and he hasn't been a head coach for that long if you exclude his time at Gardner Webb I mean you don't need to do that but I'm just saying in a power conference where you're in like a Butler job when they were in the Big East or here in the Big Ten it's still less than 10 years I feel like he was so late to get his shot in college hoops it tells you, to, from my view at least, it means he's that much harder of a worker. And it seems like he's a guy that has cared about relationships maybe as as good or, or better than anybody else in the game. Yeah, I think relationships are the foundation of everything that that staff is about. Um, I know that when Coach Holman came and he sat down the older guys individually, and was like, look, like obviously we're going to make things right here. We're going to do everything in our power, but we need your help. So you guys just got to believe in us. And as soon as we did that, and it wasn't right away, but as soon as we did that, we saw immediate success. And the family atmosphere, the, the family culture that he's created at Ohio State is something that you don't realize you need until you have it. Um, you know, like, and, and to say that he's hungry is an understatement because when he came in, uh, those, those coaches worked so incredibly hard recruiting and coaching, and it was something I had never really seen before. Um, you know, I, I see I, – being a college hoops fan, you know, the rise of coach Holtman is so similar to like the rise of like Chris Beard, right. Where no one knew who he was. And then two years later, he's a head coach at a, at a major college program going to, I mean, in Beard's case, going to the championship game and, uh, or the, yeah, the the championship game. I mean, Holtman's the same kind of way, you know, you didn't know who the guy was. And then two years later, he's coaching Ohio state and we're the number eight team in the country. So um, yeah, it is, it is bizarre to see, like, you know, his his crazy rise and stuff. But, you know, if you're close to him, you understand why it happened. And, you know, college troops is funny because the guys who should be getting the shots, sometimes they don't get them because of this or that or, or former players that were NBA superstars that I guess they just wake up one day and think they want to be a head coach and then, and then quit the next year. You know, there's a lot of that. So, um, you know, guys like Holtman obviously are, are not – uh, you don't, you, you know, they aren't your pick of the litter. You don't just wake up and go on a head coaching search and see it, see 10 Chris Holtman's waiting for you. You know, that's, it's, it's not sure. that easy. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can't say enough great things about him. He has clearly a very unique story. I mean, how many, how many coaches have been coach of the year in three different conferences? I mean, that stat is literally talked about every time Ohio state plays, but for good reason, it's pretty remarkable. Joey, I have one more question because I know everybody understands the impact of playing in a bubble sense or trying to play in a closed environment, what they're trying to do in Indianapolis for the NCAA tournament. But I, I don't think people fully realize in the as the athlete's mindset of going away for five to six weeks because you're adding on the couple of weeks you have to be away 
for the conference tournament because the Big Ten obviously just moved their tournament to the Indianapolis. So teams that go on a run in the NCAA tournament and do well at the Big Ten tournament could be there for, what, five to six weeks just stuck in that environment. As a guy that's been in the tournament aspect away from home for that long, how do you think that's going to impact those players? Um, it, I think one or two ways. I mean, either the guys get sick of it and they're like, I, I, you know, I don't want to be here anymore, which is crazy to even fathom. I, I think that's the dream for a lot of college kids <laughs> to be stuck and just playing basketball, not have to worry about school, no distractions. I mean, it's going to show that the veteran led teams that are there because they want to be there and, and are willing to sacrifice um, to stay there as long as they can, that that's going to show through. I mean, it's like, you know, the Miami heat were, were clearly in the bubble and wanted to stay there as long as they wanted, were willing to sacrifice whatever they needed to sacrifice in order to, to, to win and compete at a high level. And there's no doubt that there are going to be a handful of teams that head to the NCAA tournament and are like, all right, we packed for six weeks, you know, like we packed to be here for as long as possible. Um, and, and we'll see, we'll see what happens there. It's obviously not a, not an easy task um, to, to be sitting and confined in somewhere for that period of time. Um, but I have a feeling that uh, the teams that are, are willing and, and, uh, and want to stay there as long as possible are not going to shy away from, you know, the fact that they're going to be in a bubble for that long. Hey, Joey, what was, what was a recruitment visit like with, with old Joey Lane showing somebody around? Um, yeah, I would like to think it was fun. Um, you know, we, I got to host a handful of uh, really high, high-level recruits, and uh, which was really fun for me because I never really had a, an official visit. So, getting to go on the uh, getting to go on the football field uh, before games and getting to see everything up close and personal, and getting to go to these really nice restaurants with the coaching staff and stuff is it's, it's pretty darn fun. You know, an Ohio State visit is is really special because you get to go to a football game and see 110,000 people that will be supporting you if you become a Buckeye. So um, it's, it's really unique in that sense. Uh, I mean, the recruiting visits were a lot of, as I got older, it was, all right, I get a free meal, take this kid out, drive him yeah. around, and then, uh, and then I'm going to hand it over to the young guys who he's going to actually be playing with, and I, can, uh, <laughs> and I can go home and go to sleep now. So, well, how, uh, many of the guys, how, how many of the guys are on the team right now? did you host and bring in all right uh let's see so the freshman now i i had no contact with because i was too old but right. like michi johnson was around the program all the time like i don't he never even had an official visit probably because he had been committed for so long basically we i played open gym with him he gave me a ton of buckets when he was a freshman in high school and i was like okay well i'm officially washed up now if this is really happening um but let's, I mean, I hosted EJ and I hosted EJ, Alonzo Gaffney and DJ Carton. So that, that class, um, I right, hosted you're one that. for three there. Good. Yeah. So, I mean, I got them to commit and then my job's done. So. <laughs> right, right. That wasn't your fault. When they, right. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> um, so then that whole, and then the whole sophomore class, which was Dwayne Luther, Jay Ledee and Justin, I hosted each one of those guys. Um, not to mention literally probably eight other kids um, that are at different places in the NBA, wherever they are now, um, that didn't end up committing because that was the year that 
that was the first year of the staff, so they were trying to get as many guys in as possible that year, obviously. Um, and then, you know, Kyle Young didn't really have an official visit because he was he was going to Butler. But then when he came to Ohio State for the first time, I was the guy who kind of showed him around. So I guess that counts. Um, I mean, Andrew Dockich, I was basically his host too. Um, uh, but And then Musa was a, a weird dynamic because he kind of just – he just kind of committed. Um, so I didn't really have any – I didn't have any say in those guys. Caleb had been committed for a while, and him and his brother were all, were obviously committed together. And at that point, I wasn't really hosting kids because that was with Coach Mata. So I would say about half the guys, I guess, right, on the team right now. Um, none of the really young guys, but, but Kyle, Justin, Dwayne um, – CJ Walker, Keyshawn Woods, like those guys I hosted too. So uh, I don't know. It's pretty. Everybody. Just yeah, everybody. everybody. Pretty much. I, yeah, I mean, everyone. No <laughs> yeah, no one's a, I, everyone, everyone. It, I was the perfect guy because I would just tell him like, hey, come here for all these reasons. Like, you Look don't at have, me. Like, I'm, I, yeah, I mean, it was basically like, don't like, you know, I'm harmless. I'm not going to take your minutes. I'm not going to like, just I'm, I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> I have no other reason to not to. You know, uh, don't be a fool. Stay in school. Look at me. Yeah, that's exactly. great. Exactly. Jo- Joey Lane, everybody. Check it out. The uh, The Twitter handle is what? Drive the Lane Pod. Is, did I get the correct? Yep. yep, exactly. Absolutely. It's fantastic. You guys get great guests on there. There's lots of good storytelling, lots of key characters from around the sport. We really appreciate the the long conversation today, man. This was interesting, and I'll, we're so excited for March. I know you are. We cannot wait for it to get here. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me on. This is the blast. Always good talking to you guys. And uh, yeah, March can't come soon enough. I I, uh, I can't wait. We sleep in May, isn't that what they say? <laughs> so yeah, can't wait. We sleep in May. All right, buddy. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Joey. Absolutely. Take care, guys. Yeah, take it easy, man. Have a good day. Have a good rest of your week. Thank you. You too. You too. Talk soon. All right. That was great stuff with Joey Lane. When we come back, there's a lot to dive into. Some specific teams to look out for and a familiar mid-major team that we have to talk about on Mad About Hoops. All right, Tim. So I teased a couple really big-name schools. Well, it depends on how you think of big name schools in the basketball era but two big name schools we really need to look out for as we get closer and closer to postseason you know what if it, when you're going to talk about st john's i think it counts yeah it does count and it reminds me everybody was making such a big deal recently remember when coach k got after the student newspaper writer at duke and <laughs> I thought that that was overblown a little bit too. A little like, bit, a little Coach bit. Coach K has some carte blanche, right? <laughs> like, if Coach K wants to like tap Dylan Brooks on the shoulder and say like five words to him, I'm okay with that. All right, this is the Team USA freaking basketball coach. He's a legend of the game. You should be so lucky to get a little bit of advice or wisdom or tutelage from coach k if you're a basketball player that's the way i view that and so whatever like that that little thing happened with the reporter where he he made an analogy coach k probably I mean, he even called the kid to like smooth things over maybe not his best moment i just don't know why that became such a national story hey, you know what at least he's not there. jim Beheim and just trash no. his big guy <laughs> right yeah presser you but can't re- play 
it reminded me because it reminded me of a time where I was in in the uh, the media room there at Duke, and it was this was ten years ago at least or so, and Coach K did get into that dad grandpa lecture phase about someone who clearly didn't know their history about St. John's. But it was almost like Coach K just assumed that that student didn't know their history about St. John's because the way the question was phrased, it wasn't inaccurate, right? Like, the Johnnies have been in a black hole for a long time, right? Yeah. But he started mentioning names like Mullen, and he was doing the – I mean, God, yes. I mean, St. John's basketball is uh, – they were one of the top programs in the country. I mean – Okay, you've been at Duke for Karnaseka. 40 years, man. Yeah. Things change. He started, like, I mean, do, do you know who Karnaseka? I mean, do you know Mullen? He didn't even give that person a chance to say, well, yeah, yeah, I do. I, do. I know all about him. It was just more about, you know, St. John's is not a very good program, not a very good team. Like, so how much, you know, stock do you put in the win? Or, you know who was also you, really you good he when he started? You he was going to attack the question, really. You know who was re- well, it was kind of the tail end. I mean, UCLA was a decent program. at When did he start? In the 70s or 80s? You're talking about Coach K? But yeah, but the point stands is that when teams did he start at Duke? Yeah. Early 80s, mid 80s. Early 80s, right? okay. Early well, 80s, mid 80s. The, the point yeah. still stands is I was trying to make the point is that teams that were good back then might not be the same now. So, I mean, that's of course. It's just an overreaction. Yeah, it, it, of course. But hey, I mean, you look at St. John's right now, it is. It's one of those programs that's kind of a blast from the past. I mean, I, I actually remember. They've been a little bit more a... rejuvenated, though, once they joined the Big East, though. This, yes. this Big East. This Big East, of course, the conference isn't what it was when you know there were some years there no. where Big East basketball was just as as good as college basketball could ever get. It's not that now, but there's still some nostalgia there with the teams, and it's good to see St. John's starting. I wished it worked out with Chris Mullen because that would have been cool, but hey, man, Mike Anderson, he's just <laughs> been a tremendous underrated coach. He's had a lot of stops. He's done some really good things. And he's he's gotten the programs where he's taken the job up to a certain kind of level. And the 40 minutes of hell, the full court press, all that stuff. They got a great player right there, too, Evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this St. John's team is really interesting because they've gotten hot as of late. I mean, they had a really nice win streak going on before they lost to Butler. And this is one of the few times where I didn't want to see Butler win because I want to see St. John's in the tournament. And Butler has no shot. But <clears throat> this St. John's team is really, really interesting because... They're very versatile on the offensive side of the court. Defensive side, they struggle a little bit more, but you have guys like Posh Alexander, a nice little short, stocky point guard who plays really, really gritty. And then their leading scorer, who's Justin Champagne, whose brother is actually going to be the ACC player of the year at Pitt. Uh, or This is Julian Champagne I'm talking about. Justin's the one that plays over at Pitt. Julian's averaging about 19.7 points per game, shoots around like 44, 45% he's from dude. three. Like he he's is, a great player. He's pretty much their everything, but they have a lot of guards that can make their plays off the dribble. Uh, a little bit of trouble in the front court. They're not really as dominant as you probably want them to be to make a run, but this is a team, 7-7 seven and seven in the Big East. They've kind of been up and down in that conference, but they have a shot if they just win the games they need to win, and losing to Butler was not one of those. Well... You know, maybe it's going to come down to the tournament, and and we'll kind of Could close be. we'll we'll close with that with our thoughts on the conference tournaments. But St. John's will have Xavier coming up on the 16th. They they were red hot. Red Storm were red hot until they lost at Hinkle there uh, by three. So they'll get DePaul. They get the road game at Villanova. That will solve a lot of issues. They're 13 and eight, fifth place in the Big East. So metrics wise. 
they're not done. And they're sitting in the first four out. So they're extremely bubbly right now, and they got a chance. And I know, you know, we were chatting before the pod, the other team that you really love that isn't getting a whole lot of respect right now. We just, we've been in a mode in college hoops, man, (laughs) for the last five years at least. And part of that is their own doing. They got to elevate. They really do. The Pac-12 has got to elevate their overall status, and then their respect will come. Get a lot of teams into the big dance. Send a lot of your teams onto the Sweet 16. Get those classic programs like UCLA where Mick Cronin has taken over and he's done a nice job this year. They're at 13-4. and four. Oregon's got to be good for you. Arizona, just you know, not being in the top 25 is a problem for your conference with, with the respect level that they usually garner. Yeah, but, but USC, your guys at USC – the one-ranked team right now. Yeah, it's not necessarily the team with USC, and it's more of just the individual and Evan Mobley because when I tell you this guy's a unicorn as a seven-footer, like, he is a unicorn. Like, he, he doesn't... Who does he remind you of? <sighs> is he like DeAndre Ayton a little bit, or that he's you not, quite, not quite No, that. he doesn't have the same build. He's very slender. I, I honestly... He's not as talented, and I don't want it to be taken the wrong way, but he reminds me, and the way he tries to play is like... A Durant in the, the he's a seven or he's a seven foot guy. Durant was like what six ten or whatever. He can bring the ball up the court. I saw him bring it up one time, and he was actually a pretty good dribbler. And yeah. I was like, what what is going on here? But no, he's not your traditional big man in the sense that he's not very big and stocky. He's kind of slender for his size. Um, they just beat UCLA a couple or a couple weekends ago, and that was pretty much to give them a tie for the the Pac twelve. And they finish off on the road at UCLA to end the season. So that's going to be really interesting to see if that uh, will result in who wins the regular season title for the Pac-12. But no, Mobley's a guy that could be uh, a top five pick in the draft coming up next year. And he's the type of guy that I look for when I'm trying to fill out my bracket. Who can honestly carry their team? And I think a guy's like this year, unfortunately, we won't see Sharif Cooper at Auburn. He could be a guy that could do it. Uh, Cam Thomas down there at LSU is another type of guy that can just put up buckets in a bunch uh, Cade Cunningham, who we talked about a little bit at Oklahoma State, well, who currently yeah. could get, get into to see him. They could get think. in. He's been out with a, uh, some COVID-19 protocols recently, so hopefully he can get back soon. But uh, yeah, the Pac-12 in general, I think you might only get about four teams in. UCLA, USC, maybe Colorado. Stanford's also a question. But besides that, I mean, it's just it's just a lot of mediocrity from a conference where you expect a lot more from. You know, I was the guys I was thinking about when you were mentioning Evan Mobley back there at USC, and then we can move on. Almost, if you want to go really, really, really high level, you talk unicorn guys, maybe a Chris Stapps, like a zinger. In you the know NBA. what? I, I like that a lot more. Or like a Chris like Bosh kind of guy, mm-hmm. you know, for, for what he brings and just all the tools that he has and what he can do. You love guys like that that have that height, but also can handle it a little bit and uh, can shoot it, score from No slash from three, too. I think he's shooting around right, 30%. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, he'll, he'll want to improve that. You saw what Caleb Wesson was able to do, and if that, that's what it's all about. I mean, if you're the big and then you can extend and take it beyond that three-point line, like Luca Garza has been able to add some of that to his game. That's going to keep you employed for a long, long time. And it clearly, clearly, he's, just, he's got the stuff, too. Like, he's got the build. He's got, he's got what you look for there. But you, uh, you were mentioning St. John's and how they're bubbly. Mm-hmm. We don't have you know, names with all of this. But this goes back to a few weeks ago when Matt Norlander from CBSSports.com, we've mentioned him several times on the pod. He's got a lot of interesting content that he throws out there. And the headline back then at the time was, 
More than one out of every four coaches surveyed says conference tournaments should not be held this season. And we even had here in our own backyard, Chris Holtman gave some thoughts about this, but I don't, I don't even know if I would hold Coach Holtman to what he said a few weeks ago when things get real and when you actually get mm -hmm. closer to it and you are holding down a one-seed position. And, Colin, we are, we are not going to call a special season. When we talk about that, we don't envision that ending with a conference tournament run, right? Or even simply winning a championship right. in your conference tournament. It is about the next thing, the greatest event, in my opinion, in all of American sports. So this is really interesting how you're going to tap dance this. Because Holtman's comment was is that we've been pretty much player-driven. You know, he wasn't really – you could tell he wasn't really with the, the Coach K school of thought of, should we even be doing this right now? Like, how could – my God, how could we be playing? Like, the Billis commentary out there, all that. Not that way. And, you know, Holtman said, we'll, we'll kind of see what the, what the players think when push comes to shove. But, you know, you know you're going to have to have a, a real big conversation about that. And the players' minds might even change when it gets closer to it, when you realize the risk that's involved. I hear so many guys talk about how – if you can just follow the same health and safety procedures that you've had in place for your season, then all should be fine. But that well, doesn't make I mean, it fine, look, right? You look, can't look at control the schedule. what look at all the, schedule the teams every, can do. Look at the schedule tournament. every night. Every night you see, what, eight to ten lots postponements? postponements. Like, yeah. Lots of postponements. We just had the Baylor game postponed. That's right. We're, we're dropping this on February 11th. Baylor's Here's about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And the Baylor on, game and it's was on canceled. Baylor's side. It's not on the, the opponent's side. It's on Baylor's side. They're dealing that with Baylor, issues themselves. That was Baylor-Oklahoma, man. Yeah. That was going to be a premier game. Yeah. It was going to be one of the best games in college basketball that we've seen in a week or so. I feel like the Big Ten's in the advantage in the sense that they can get into Indianapolis, get into their little bubble, and kind of go from there because they'll already be on site. I, I think we have nothing to do with it, though. But it's just that yes, you are. Yes and no. It's just that you're putting your faith in all the other teams to do it right. By the time you get out onto the court with them and mix it up, because you've got to go what seven straight days if you're just going to be accepted into the NCAA tournament. So if you are an absolute stone cold web pipe lock in a one seed, I almost wonder if. Like, and, and I'm not here diminish, please, please take, take this at face value. I am not diminishing conference tournaments. You know that about no, me. Yeah. A lot, a lot of people have had a lot of big thoughts about it. And with the automatic bids, I just, I love it. It is so much fun tournament settings to, to add that into what you're going to get the precursor. It's just like, it's, if you have like a traditional thing that you do before you go on a family vacation, you know, that sort of sets your mind and gets you excited that's what conference tournaments are right and you can win another championship and those you'll hang banners for winning that it's a big deal it's hard to do you got to beat three really good teams at three consecutive days it's fantastic i just don't know if now this year because things are so different if you would risk that for the next bigger thing that's beyond it that's all i'm saying no i, I definitely agree with that i i've said for the past couple of weeks that i think conference tournaments Tournaments should not happen. The winner of the actual regular season of each conference should get the auto bid and then go from there. Uh, but unfortunately, it's it really doesn't matter what we think or even what the coaches think because it's coming straight from the heads of the conferences. Like I, I saw the Pac-12 commissioner respond to, it might, it might have been Mick Cronin's comments about not needing 
the risk of that they could the fine you or no, not give no, you the if, share. If, if you plan on qualifying and playing in the postseason, you will play. And they said you will play in the conference tournament. Like there's no if, ands, or buts about it. I don't know how they could make you. Like I don't know what kind of I don't know either, is, which is why I was kind of curious. Like how do you enforce that? Can you just tell them like when it comes to selection Sunday? Like sorry, they're not going. Sorry, they they didn't yeah, join well, our tournament. I saw something. I don't know if it was in this Norlander article. You guys can go and search that. And the the headline for this one was from late January. And there's going to be much more written and said about this too. That's that's more current. But it was. The headline was simply more than one out of every four coaches surveyed say conference tournaments should not be held this season. And naturally, guys that are going to be locks would say no. And guys that are fighting for their tournament lives, they're the ones that are going to need the conference tournaments. But I'll tell you this. Yeah, which is, say, well, it's statistically well, listen, adds up. Yeah. Say that you are in a conference and four or five of the really good teams opt out. Well, then that really should not be worth an automatic bid if you're a team. And, and that screws some of the other teams that are fighting to get in. But I'm sorry. Like, if you run through a conference tournament mm -hmm. that is missing all of its top dogs, is that worthy of punching your ticket to yeah. the big dance? I think the whole resume of whatever that team is needs to still be looked at. It shouldn't be automatic. Maybe like you winning a, a few more games, maybe you get to the championship and you still are playing a top 25 team and that's enough to push you over the edge, then so be it. I just think this needs to be more on the committee to, to look over to get the the deserving teams in, the 68 deserving teams in this year. Yeah, that's why I think it's not just the commissioners that are saying this to their individual coaches or in the media. I, I think it's coming from the top down from the committee and the NCAA on down because – I mean, you if you just let these teams just opt out, and you, like you said, the scenario where four or five of the top teams opt out, you get a team that's a losing record wins it. I mean, you're talking about almost eliminating the bubble scenario this year. Like, you would have no bubble at all. It would be the automatic qualifiers and then a bunch of teams that were, like, obviously in at that point. And I, I think that's just doing a disservice to the sport, and you're doing a disservice to the quality of the tournament. Well, this is going to be fun to look at. You know, I, I certainly, just as a fan... I hope that there's – we know there's going to be some semblance of conference tournaments. Something is going to be going on that week. Right. I just kind of selfishly hope for Ohio State that they that they make the, the smart choice and don't risk that because it is a special-looking season. And believe me, if I envision a special season, it would include winning a regular season championship – winning a conference tournament championship, and then doing your thing in mm -hmm. the NCAA tournament. It's just, I can't figure out risking that thing at the end during the pandemic still, but hey. No, you, you put a great angle to it. I Again, I agree with what you're saying. The only problem is, is that money talks in the end, and these conferences see the dollar signs that are pointing towards what a conference tournament could do, even if it's only with limited fans. You're right. It's it's the TV revenue, and it could be a big share. And I and I get you wouldn't give that school the share if they opted right, out of the tournament. Right. That's that's fair. And athletic departments are still rebounding and need the help. So we will see. It'll be interesting. Well, that that's it for me, man. You got anything else to add here on uh, the thirty fifth yes, episode? Yes, I do because one of the, the mid major teams that I teased right before coming into oh, that's this right, segment. That's right. That's right. Mid major flavor is a team that we're all very familiar with is the uh, mid-major out of the Missouri Valley is the Ramblers of Loyola Chicago because they're making the push yes. in that conference with Drake suffering the loss to Valparaiso. Sister and we, Jean. We actually get a double uh, game set up with Drake and Loyola this weekend. I believe they play either Friday, Sunday, or Saturday, Sunday, but 
Besides that, that could honestly decide the regular season champ. And this is a team that, quite honestly, I've heard a lot of people say, and I heard Matt Norlander actually say, this could probably be better than the Loyola team that went to the Final Four. And I say that wow. because Cameron so Crutwig. pay attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Cameron Crutwig, who's the center, he's about 6'9"-ish. He was, on the, he was a freshman on that team that went to the Final Four. He's averaging about 15.5 points a game. But there's not really a whole lot of scoring behind that because it's a very defensive-driven team. They're only averaging giving up around 55, 56 points a game. They're very, very strong in that. And that's a team that you look for when you go to a tournament is can they play consistent defense and can they run on a hot streak on the offensive side of the ball? If they can do that, a mid-major can make a run like they did a couple years ago. That's why they could set up again. I've gotten on Porter Moser for not taking a big job the last couple of years, but you know what? It might set Let up him for have a his run. Fun, man. He, he might have his fun this year if he can get a run. Let him have his fun. And he's got a ranked team right now. And we were just talking to somebody... We were, yeah, we were having our discussion with Dave Holmes on the Buckeye show on the fan this week, and he, he made the point that just because, I mean, there are bigger jobs out there, don't, don't assume that everybody needs to go searching for that. Porter Moses might be a guy that is content doing what he's doing. A little bit of the Pat Fitzgerald syndrome, maybe, for him, who just signed another big, huge extension with the Northwestern Wildcats there in his city. So that they are a crazy team, man. One player scoring in double digits, and then they got a bunch of guys scoring between like six and eight, and they play a lot of guys, kind of like Ohio State, where they're a deep team. Very cool to see the Ramblers ranked again at twenty second because they were just such a cool story. Anytime a team like that makes a run to the Final Four, I'm all for it, man. Yeah, it's gonna be fun to watch. I, I think the Missouri Valley is gonna be obviously a tournament. If it happens, it's gonna be you know get your popcorn ready because it's gonna be fun to watch. Arch Madness, right? That's right. I, I think they're still Nothing holding better. it there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's such a great thing. What a great moniker. Well, all right, man. Evil, that was fun. And our thanks to Joey Lane, former Ohio State basketball player. He's doing a lot of things in the biz right now with his buddy Andrew Zolden, the Drive the Lane podcast. Be sure to check that out. And... Please keep checking ours out, too. We're trying to give you guys some great stuff right here. If you've got other buddies that need more College Hoops content, want to try some of the other pods out, please give them Mad About Hoops. We're available everywhere that podcasts are played. Give us a little review. Give us a rating as well. It goes a long way, and we can keep doing this. And hopefully in our, uh, in our city, for our station that we work for, 97.1 The Fan, we're going to get to do some cool stuff, maybe taking some of it to the airwaves as we get closer to the big dance. So, Evil, good stuff, man. We'll see you next time. Yeah, it's good stuff, Tim. Can't wait to talk more. All right, everyone. This has been the 35th episode of Mad About Hoops.